first reading this morning is Psalm 133, which can be found on page 629. Short Psalm of David, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life for evermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand again as we hear the words of the Gospel, reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, and verses 20 to 26, page 1095, for anyone with the Blue Bibles. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. In the NIV, it's headed up, Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory. The glory you have given me, because you loved me, before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so I speak in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to his glory. Amen. You have got to feel sorry for Theresa May, haven't you? Well, some of you may not, and, you know, I acknowledge that, but I do feel a little sympathy for her at this time. Once again, Brexit has dominated the headlines, and we're no further forward in knowing whether we're in or out who will be running the show, etc., etc. There's been much mudslinging, deep divisions exposed within our nation. No obvious way forward with so many different factions. No sense of solidarity between any one proposal, if there is indeed more than one proposal. And politicians with one eye on their own career possibilities. People looking at our nation from the outside must be somewhat bemused. What happens next? Who knows? I wonder whether people look similarly on the church at this time. 
Tomorrow sees the start of the week of prayer for Christian unity. It's an eight-day period, actually, um, which has been celebrated over much of the last century in different ways within different denominations. And I was reminded of this as I met with other local church leaders yesterday and we discussed what God was doing in our midst and talked about ways in which we might constructively work together. There are many big issues facing the worldwide church at this time. A response to the environmental crisis, for instance. The plight of refugees. How we address the decline of Christianity in the West. But perhaps the one most akin to the Brexit crisis is that around human sexuality and how the church engages, treats, values, sets expectations of those who identify as LGBTI+, around issues around gay marriage, the whole transgender debate. There is so much that is occupying the thinking of the uh, leaders of our denominations across the world. Within the church at large, the strength of feeling matches the intensity of Brexit feelings. And in the Anglican Church, Archbishop Justin is the one who holds the poison chalice of leadership. This debate is divisive. The question is asked, what is it that holds primary importance? Some will say, well, it's clearly the witness of Scripture. Others will say, well, it's about where society is now and where God meets us in the present. Some will emphasise the pastoral concerns of the needs of the individual. Some will point to progress in scientific discovery. And the church is divided. There's theological divide between those who would describe themselves as evangelicals and those of a more liberal persuasion. But then even within those traditions, there are different interpretations of key Bible texts. There's not only a theological divide, there's also a generational divide. There's a tendency towards conservatism amongst the older age group and a clear leaning towards a more inclusive theology amongst the younger generations. The House of Bishops in the Anglican Church is in the middle of producing a teaching document for uh, General Synod and for the Church, which won't be ready until next year, that draws on expertise from various spheres. There's not only the theological divide, but the generational divide, but there's also a continental divide. With the Church in the West, it seems, generally moving in a more inclusive direction, and the churches of what is known as the Global South, maintaining a more conservative perspective, holding scripture very much as primary. And yet, of course, there's variety within those parts of the world. What do people see as Christians engage with the complexity of the issues involved? How might Christians disagree well on these matters without compromising firmly held convictions? How might we avoid the sort of mudslinging seen in recent months in the Brexit debates? We've just heard in that psalm of a vision for unity, how wonderful it is when God's people are united. 
We've just heard Jesus' prayer that his people, those who would believe, might be one. How do we find that unity, maintain that unity in the midst of different perspectives on the key issues of the day? The answer, of course, is with great difficulty. Tertullian was an early Christian convert and apologist, and he imagined the pagans of his day looking at the Christian community and commenting, see how they love one another. Because of our unity in the gospel of Jesus Christ, our love can and should trump all things. If we did a poll amongst all the Christians in the churches in Down End, Bromley Heath, this local area, on the issues surrounding human sexuality, we'd get a myriad of different views, just as we would on Brexit from the same group of people. But just because someone holds a different view from us doesn't make them any less of a human being or any less loved by God. In the Brexit world, my sense is that those with different strongly held perspectives need to get a stronger grasp of their shared humanity, to let go of pride and work together. In the church world, whatever issues we disagree on, we need a greater grasp of the gospel which unites us, the saviour who died for us, the spirit who draws us together. Complex issues, especially those where we have strong convictions, can bring out the worst in us sometimes. But as we grasp those sorts of truths, we're enabled to listen to one another with respect and dignity, to pray for one another, to reflect together, and to wrestle with the issues involved with respect and love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Over the centuries, of course, the church has wrestled with a myriad of different issues, complex issues. And as a flawed institution, it's sometimes excelled and been a prophetic voice to the world. Think of its impact in areas such as education and the abolition of slavery. At other times, it's failed, as it seemed to be more concerned about self-preservation or cover-up. Our prayer must be, and our work must be, that the manner of our debates on the big issues of the day are underpinned by a deep humility and a profound sense of God's presence with us. And so let's pray for a unity in our nation and wisdom for all in authority in the aftermath of the Brexit vote. And let's pray for a unity in God's church around the world, around the good news of Christ, and a genuine seeking after him in all things, born out of humility, born out of a desire for God's very best to rule in this world, that the world might know Jesus as Saviour and Lord. Amen. And every week in this service and many of our other services and across the worldwide church, we affirm some of the central tenets of our belief, the things that unite us in the gospel. And so we stand and affirm those things now in the words of the Creed. <laughs>